This week's show will feature three sponsored interviews. We get to learn from our wonderful sponsors this week. First up, Mike Groon, the VP of Engineering and CISO at Cybrary, will discuss the benefits of online on-demand training for teams. In our second second segment, even, we welcome back Kevin O'Brien, the co-founder and CEO of Great Horn, to talk about a massive cyber attack spreading across 68% of organizations. In our final segment, Mike Campfield, VP of Global Security Program, from Extra Hop will join us for a technical segment on why network detection and response belongs in your security strategy. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly for security professionals by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Data protection is a top priority with today's work-from-home workforce. However, current data loss prevention tools inadequately protect data in cloud or SaaS offerings from insider threats. Secure Circle automatically protects data as it leaves SaaS services such as GitHub, AWS, and Salesforce. The protection is transparent to users and works with any application to persistently protect data, even source code. Secure your data with Secure Circle Zero Trust Data Protection. Begin your 30-day free trial by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash secure circle. Can we continue to function without facts? Cybercriminals exploit the absence of facts, harming organizations through the easiest point of entry, email. No company should claim they can stop all phishing attacks. It's about having all the facts in seconds and reducing the time it takes to respond. It's minutes versus hours in the difference between a security incident and a breach. Greathorn, see through the dark. To learn more, go to securityweekly.com forward slash greathorn. Today's networks are changing fast and employees, devices, and infrastructures are more distributed than ever. Gigamon Threat Insight is a cloud-native, high-velocity network detection and response solution that's purpose-built to enable you to get in front of this transformation. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash Gigamon. Welcome to Enterprise Security Weekly, episode number 205 for November 4th, 2020. I am your host, Paul Asadorian, joined remotely by Mr. Matt Alderman. Matt, welcome. Happy Wednesday, Paul. Happy Wednesday. Yeah, it's a very interesting Wednesday. We're all on the edge of our seats uh, as to what's happening in the world. But that doesn't stop us here at Security Weekly from talking about security and hacking, which is what we do best. So let's do that. But before we do that, actually, a quick announcement. Security Weekly, of course, in partnership with the Cyber Risk Alliance, is excited to present Security Weekly Unlocked, a free event for the community on December 10th. 2020, the inaugural inaugural edition, who put that word in there, inaugural edition of Security Weekly Unlocked is also celebrating our 15-year anniversary and will feature talks from Ron and Cindy Gula, Kevin Finisterre, Vivek Ramachandran, and many more. The agenda is live. You can register and review the agenda at securityweekly.com forward slash unlocked. Matt, you had uh, updates on... I do. Well, I think I put that word in there, first mm. of all. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> as of this morning, we're at 324 registered, and we haven't sent any emails from Cyber Risk Alliance yet. That's all from the Security Weekly family. Sweet. So, so far, great turnout. Yes, very excited. There'll be some roundtables, um, contests. We're doing a challenge coin. So lots of fun stuff. And I'm super excited about the talks. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't wait. 
this segment is sponsored by Cybrary. To learn more about Cybrary and specifically Cybrary for teams, visit cybrary.it forward slash solved. Mike Groon is responsible for software development, data science, information technology, infrastructure, and overall security posture at Cybrary. Mike, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, very excited about today's episode. Yes, nice to have you. I wanted to uh, set the stage a bit first, Mike. Um, actually, before I do that, I want a little bit about your background because you do. Looks like you have a lot of responsibility at Cyberry, right? They need to give you yeah, a raise or something, right? That's impressive. Uh, so, uh, just a little bit about you and your background and how you came to to Cyberry. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm impressed that you went with the full, uh, all of my responsibilities. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I started in 1996 as a software developer. Um, and so most of my career has been doing software engineering. I've always found now, myself... Now, wait, 96, you were probably Java? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I started uh, well, I started doing C, uh, yeah, yep. C, CGIs, uh, and was learning Java. We... Um, uh, we were building uh, when you could sell web forum software for lots and lots right. of money. There so you go. That's where I was uh, at a company called uh, at the time Proxima. They uh, went IPO as Proxycom, uh, mm-hmm. pretty big IPO at the day. Um, and so yeah, so we were doing Java Java development. Uh, and I always found even through the course of my career of uh, then from there I went on to a small um, boutique firm doing professional services. Um, and then various government contracting, uh, both on-site and you know for larger organizations contracting to the government. Um, I found myself always in this role um, between the software developers, sort of the IT staff, the infrastructure people, and security. And I always was just in that like nexus of all of that, the, being the liaison between the software developers and making sure that what we're doing can actually get deployed. Um, mm-hmm. The very first thing I ever did was write install software. So understanding how to deploy onto a Solaris box and all of that. So um, so that's sort of how I ended up. And then my career sort of progressed from there. Um, I'd say my first real like security, what really got me turned into security um, more and more was uh, I was working at a company uh, called Vips that was doing, um, worked on the retiree drug drug subsidy uh, program, RDS. It was mm-hmm. sort of the Obamacare of its day. Uh, Congress had a lot of um, a lot of interest in it, and it was one of those projects that was uh, uh, very, just high profile, high risk, high stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a company in New York that was running our data center. And so I started working with them, uh, being the liaison between the software development that was happening in Baltimore and the, um, the deployment up in New York and started working very closely with their security team and then ended up, um, we had a third party come in and do pen testing. And my responsibility was sort of to shadow them and understand the role, you know, what they were doing, uh, what their findings were and be able to you know, communicate that back to the team in order to address them. And that right there was that moment shadowing that person. And it, they were awesome. They, um, they really showed me the tools and techniques that they used, um, which for me was just a great learning opportunity. And that's really what started my career more towards security. Um, and then from there, I, I continued to do software development, um, ended up at a company called Red Owl that was in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Um, they got acquired by Forcepoint, but we were doing uh, user behavioral analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a secure cybersecurity product uh, monitoring and uh, inside risk, inside threat. 
um, and had the same role there that I have here at Cyberary, which was, you know, head of software um, development, you know, VP of engineering, uh, and then security and IT and infrastructure and the rest of it. So uh, then the opportunity presented itself to come here to Cyberary and uh, sort of do it all over again. And uh, I jumped at the chance. It was a great company, great people, uh, the founders, super transparent. Um, and it was nice to be in a role where I wasn't actually building a security tool where I was uh, using technology to do tech things that technology does really well, which is deliver uh, training, deliver videos, um, deliver content, um, which is uh, much uh, much more freeing from a from a technology perspective because then I get to use a lot more SaaS. I get to yeah. I don't have to build as much you know sort of intellectual property. Yeah, agreed, Matt. So, Mike, you, given your background and in, in the role you're in, you are DevSecOps, yeah, right. I mean, because you're playing pretty much all those roles. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so, right. uh, One of the first things I did when I got here was really, um, I mean, it was, it was a very small company when I got here. I think there was, I think I'm like employee 19. There were five engineers. There was one person who was sort of doing the infrastructure. Uh, There was, uh, we had IT contract and stuff like that. But yeah, that was one of the very first things I did was really to bring it all together. DevSecOps is something uh, I fell in love with. Um, AWS reInvent a few years ago, they'd sort of coined the phrase and, um, yeah, big proponent of it. When, when we were talking and I, I want to phrase this, uh, I don't want to spend too much time kind of explaining my, my theory and in, in all this stuff. Right. But when I've held jobs where I was involved in choosing the security solutions and developing the security programs, I put three kind of buckets or phases and they can come in different order that I think most of us go through when we're looking to solve a problem in cybersecurity. And the first thing I would do would be to go to maybe an analyst firm, some third party um, company that was evaluating security solutions specifically. I would also maybe do some vendor demos. I would basically collect some intelligence about security solutions that could potentially solve my problem. Second thing I would do is I would go to my peer groups. And when I worked for the university, there were a lot of different peer groups I could go to and ask them, hey, how are you solving this problem? Like we're all in the university, so we're all had more of the similar types of problems in that vertical. And we would, you know, have discussions and forums and I would get advice from people in the university space. And then once we chose a direction and we had a project that was defined, I said, well, I'd, I may need to go increase my knowledge in certain areas. That could be directly with the product. That could be in an adjacent technology. For example, I was uh, involved in deploying wireless, uh, new wireless network for the entire 144-acre campus. And so I went and took wireless training, wireless security training to understand that. And I think that's really where I see Cyberry fitting very nicely in this kind of trifecta that, that I'm on, is that you collect that business intelligence, you go to peer groups, and then you need some kind of training to, to, to round it out, right? And maybe others on your team need training. And I think that's where Cyberite today plays, plays very well and overcomes some of the, you know, I was leaving the office, maybe going somewhere for six days and doing training and coming back. And maybe others on my team were doing this, the same thing, which was disruptive. Um, so, Mike, I wanted to kind of turn over to you to talk about how you provide training for teams today that overcome some of those traditional, you know, challenges and in, in kind of pros and cons with more traditional style training. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, I tend to agree. I have the same um, sort of 
methodology, although I might swap my peer group, uh, go to them first for some recommendations. But yeah, sure. Um, and so where something like Cyber plays a role, right? You can come in, you can get access to the training. You don't have to leave uh, and go, as you said, travel mm-hmm. really far or or take time off work. You can you can fit it into your day. It's on demand training. Um, you can do different modules, um, especially if you're in uh, more of a team lead role or the um, you can sort of skip around a little bit and get a feel for, yeah, this training looks like it's very um, relevant to what we're doing, or maybe it's it's a little less relevant and maybe this other one. So you can you can do all of that. And I think, you know, the founders, their background is in brick and mortar. They um, mm-hmm. they had started there and they sort of saw the downsides to the traditional on, you know, leave and go someplace to take training. Um, it takes you away from your job. Um, for some period of time, you're not, you know, you're really sort of dedicated there. Um, I think the, one of the other things is you're in a learning environment, then you come back from that learning environment and now you have to apply what you learned. Uh, whereas when you can do more on demand, uh, and you can do it on your schedule, you can, you can learn, you can then apply it right there and still have access to all of the materials. You're not going back through notes and notes and notes to try and re-remember what yeah. it was that you learned or, oh man, I really wish I'd asked that question then. Like, right. It's a great point. I would that. get back right. from training and go like all excited. Oh, I want to go apply this stuff. And I'm like, wait, right. I had to go back through my notes, figure out how I apply this and re- basically retrace my steps, so, so to speak. The other thing too is when you get back from training, yes, you're excited about what you learned, but now you've got to make up for lost time, not being in the office. You can right. unbury yourself from email. And we, I mean, we try our hardest when we're away at a conference or training to do that. But there's inevitably some work you have to catch up on when you get back. Then I think the third challenge is I would learn a whole bunch of cool stuff and I wanted to share that with my team. And so the other thing I had to do, so I had new initiatives that I wanted to embark on. I had some catching up to do from being out of the office. And the third thing I had to do was schedule meetings with my various team members to transfer what I just learned to them, right? And that Mm -hmm. was part of the, and I really strongly encourage whatever training you do that you do that in some capacity. I think it underscores the value of, of training. But that particular challenge of having to spend the time and train your team as well as to what you just learned, I think is a great use case for something like Cyberry for teams, because now maybe I can flag certain modules and we can all be going through training together without being out of the office, eliminating that need for me having to train my team. Absolutely. And I think one of the, one of the things um, I know when I got back from training, there was always this, do I schedule a meeting with everybody and go over everything that I learned, knowing that not everything is relevant, but certainly much more efficient for Mm -hmm. me and my time to sort of do a a one and a half hour or two hour session or whatever it's going to be with everybody. Or do I try and tailor it to each group and then, or each individual, and then it's, that's taking up even more of my time, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's using their time more efficiently. So there's, there's all of those aspects as well, which is, you know, again, when you're doing, uh, as you pointed out, like you can flag modules or take, you know, with Cyberary, we can create assignments and you can, you can create groups and you can say, hey, this particular uh, subject is relevant to this group. I can just assign it. I went through it. I know what's important there and I know it's going to be relevant to them. And so you can sort of do all of that and then they can just take the exact same training. It really does make things a lot more efficient um, for your own time as well. Yeah. Um, as someone going through it. So if, if you're the if you're that first person sort of going through and figuring out what makes sense for the rest of the team to take. Matt. So one of the, I think, challenges with 
on-demand versus on-premise? How do you replicate the labs? How do you replicate some of that hands-on in the online experience? How have you you know, uh, solve some of those challenges because, you know, sometimes you need the physical gear to, to be able to touch this. H- how do you, you know, recreate those labs in a virtual and uh, learning environment? So that's a great question. I, uh, thank you. Uh, so yeah, we have uh, lab environments. It's all 100% browser-based. You don't have to download anything. Um, we do all of the delivery right there through the, the browser provided that you're running, you know, a modern browser, uh, IE 11, not really a modern browser, but we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, so we can we can definitely deliver that. And one of the cool things about Cyber is it's a platform. We partner with a lot of third-party vendors to find and provide those lab environments to our users. So these aren't all labs that we're creating. In fact, um, to date, we haven't created any of the labs that are that are currently available. We're going through that process now of being able to create our own our own custom labs and have just a more integrated um, learning experience. But the labs that we do provide are all third party, um, which is great. So we can select best of breed. We have lots of vendors, and we can bring in the the right labs. So um, that's how we're solving that problem. Um, it's definitely going to be a you know one of those challenges as we move forward. Um, you know, making sure that we continue to have those environments and uh, that access to you. But it's um, it's very convenient. It's very easy. It works really well. Um, it's amazing how much you can do through a browser these days. Yeah. When I think back over my, yeah. back to 96. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that traditional training in the past, at least I attended many years ago, you would get a CD or DVD with some VMs on it, and that was your lab. And there's still right. people doing doing that today for various reasons, but there are a couple of problems with that. You know, one, I got to be able to load that on my laptop, which could be problematic. The other thing too is when I get back to the office and I want to go practice those labs, that VM's not going to be updated. Now I may get access to an updated copy of the VM, then I have to you know download that one and and install that one. What I really like about the online lab experience within the browser is that the labs can be updated and I don't have to do anything as the end user and they're all already updated. Similar to the courseware as well. You would get physical mm-hmm. books and or that courseware could become out of date. It's a lot of work to keep that courseware up to date. Whereas if it's in an online platform, I think it can be more easily updated and shared with students. Absolutely. And one of the things I know um, when I used to do, um, I, I remember back, uh, I took training, they did it on prem, they had a whole lab, invi- like a whole training center there at the mm-hmm. company. Um, and that every day they would, you know, wipe all the machines, redeploy, just start clean slate. And uh, a couple of days after the training was done, I was like, oh, I really want to go back and do something. And it was no longer available. They had moved on and there was more, tra- there was different training happening in that class now or in that classroom. And so there was really no way for me to access that. They wouldn't allow us to deploy that, uh, those VMs onto our local machines. So that, w- you know, I sort of missed my, my window of opportunity. Um, and I think that's another one, especially for larger organizations. You know, you might not be able to, as you said, you might not be able to even get it get access to it anymore um, on your on your computer once you get back to the office. Right. Right. How do you account for some of the collaboration, right? One of the beautiful things about going to on, on-site training is the dialogue. You can ask questions with the instructors. You've got other folks around. There, there is communication. There's collaboration. How do you replicate that? that kind of experience as well. How, how do people ask questions um, and, and get some of the answers and, and, and have that co- collaboration in the Cyberary platform? 
So yeah, that's definitely one of the challenges we're we're focusing in on uh, for on the team side. So on the individual side, on the individual learning side, uh, we do have a Slack uh, community where people can go and, and talk and, and ask questions, and we have mentors in there uh, and course creators and instructors and other uh, cybersecurity professionals. Um, and it it's a very collaborative space. Uh, what we're looking to do. Uh, and, you know, in this coming year is figure out how do we provide a similar environment for enterprises, for teams, for businesses in a way that still also doesn't um, sort of conflict with maybe their own security or privacy concerns. I know, you know, and maybe this is me just projecting a little bit from my my days at Red Owl where communications were very, very important and monitoring everything that people were saying, especially about what we're doing from a security perspective. That was all very, very uh, important to our customers. Like they didn't want that information out there. Uh, and so we just need to make sure that as we're figuring out how we're going to make that environment for teams, how do we make it in a way that they can collaborate with each other, collaborate with other members of the community, but in a way that is, you know, still, uh, adhering to, you know, their own company values, uh, and, and security and privacy concerns. Um, so it's definitely been a challenge. Yeah, I think it's a challenge for a lot of organizations across the board. I mean, even from our perspective, I mean, you think about physical events going to virtual events, you think about what we do with the podcast and our Discord server, right, to try to continue to bring that engagement and and allow that collaboration to happen. It's a challenge for everybody. So, you know, not being physical, you know, limits how much of that you can do. So as you guys figure that out, I'd love to to know kind of what what you're what you're thinking or what you're doing because I think a lot of people would like to understand how do they do that more holistically in a very remote world. Yeah, I mean, and and we were just talking uh, this week about the from a product roadmap perspective, um, what we're going to do there, which is really more around community and forums and and other things that used to be on the platform. We sort of got away from it, um, and we're going to be bringing back, and I think bringing them back in a way that really enables and empowers that business uh, and that team's uh, use case um, is is one of the areas. And and making it also just easier for people to to ask questions about the courses they're in of the instructor. Um, so uh, stay tuned. We'll definitely be solving that problem very soon because um, it is one of the biggest challenges when, you know, especially when you're a smaller company and you're sort of working by yourself um, or maybe there's only a couple of you doing the 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 lab or the the course or whatever it's definitely much more of a challenge whereas if you have a larger organization frequently there's a subject matter expert within your organization that can actually help you um so yep definitely one of our uh challenges uh the one of the nicer things that we do um for our teams though we do have a customer success manager that uh we provide and we really work with the individual um companies to build um the courses and the curriculum and, and what we're going to do and what we're going to provide. Yeah, and so Mike, I had a question about there's that. There's constant check-in. Yeah, go so on. So when I have a team mm-hmm. and I want to, I guess there's two things. I want to know who's good at what and that it's applicable to the technology I have and the technology I'm planning to have. And then I also want to know where some of my gaps are in skills in my team so that I can provide the appropriate training to kind of tie back to what you were just saying. How, how right. does that kind of all play out in, in Cyber for Teams to solve that problem? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the way that works, well, we can, there's a, an assessment uh, aspect to our platform as well. So we can come in, have the team take that um, and give you, uh, give the the administrator or the owner uh, 
a gap analysis. Uh, and then we work with you to plan that all out. And um, as I was saying, having, we really see it as a partnership. We, our, our customer success managers work really, really closely with the admins and owners of the platform, uh, you know, your, your instance, um, if you will, your, your courses and curriculum and stuff. And so if there are questions, if there are things that come up, things can definitely be fielded by them. And then uh, we have a, you know, our creator community, they're, they're, they're plugged into that and able to get those answers as well. So that's right, right now. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's that. somewhat subjective. And I, I think I was giving you some right. examples. I was using a, a training platform. I'm like, I really want to learn this language in this specific feature, but I don't know where I'm at in my skills level. And right. you can take a skills assessment test and then start where it, it wants you to start. And oftentimes, at least I find, I like to go back a little sooner than what it recommended because I'm like, right, I, right, right. I really just want a refresher because I might use that technology and be familiar with it, but I want to go back and get a refresher on all of that before I before I go forward. That's why I think having a customer care person who's helping your team go through that and a manager, if I were the manager, I'd be say it's okay to go back and get a refresher on some of your skills. There's no penalty for that. I would encourage my team uh, to do that so that you can understand better the material that's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's one another area that we're focused in really for teams is making that a little bit easier right now. Um, a lot of our courses are a little larger and, and heavier weight. So it's um, knowing exactly where to start might be a little bit more of a challenge. Whereas uh, as we're built, as we're looking ahead to the new courses and the new way we want to deliver things in a very skills first, uh, skills oriented way, uh, hands on first Um being able to do those assessments and get you into the relevant content. Um, and then, as you said, right, be able to sort of recommend maybe backing up a little bit um, mm -hmm. or maybe we put you too early and, and allow you yeah, to skip to ahead. Go um, skip ahead too, sure. Yep. Yep. And I, I think it's especially important in today's world when we talk about, I think really DevSecOps and cloud as an entire category Technology mm -hmm. is moving really fast in those areas and knowing where your gaps are in your team and knowing how to get that knowledge and skills up to speed. And again, that does, I don't think that has to be a whole ton of real world experience. When we're planning our out, you know, transitioning from on-premise to some type of cloud infrastructure to cloud native, we need to learn a lot of the terminology. I think that's where I'll actually turn to more training. I think Mike, you and I had this conversation where, you know, some training I may just like cut to right where I think I need to start and pick up on my learning because I know everything in the first couple of modules, at least I think I do. But <laughs> with certain technologies, Kubernetes as an example, it's got like its own terminology. And I'm like, that's one where I need, just need to step back and take and take a class on. So I think a lot of these newer technologies, it's really important to have that formal training because with cloud native, for example, that cloud provider has its own language and terminology. You're familiar with the fundamental concepts, but you have to really kind of dig in and learn their lingo and, and things like that. Well, and also their whole mindset and how you should approach it. I think it's mm. easy if you sort of skip over the foundations and you take a lot of your own experience of how you think it should work and then just sort of dive in. You can make, um, I wouldn't say mistakes, but you can make you know, sort of some poor choices, uh, yeah, you know, architecture on choices M versus on yeah. cloud, you know, in the cloud are just so completely different things mm -hmm. that you need to really understand, like, what is the best approach here? Um, you know, if you're going serverless, that has a completely different mindset, Agreed. right, that you want to apply from a security perspective, then if you're talking about an actual, like, server that's going to be, you know, running for, for months at a time and, and things like that. So you 
definitely want to have that foundation. I think something like Cyber can really help uh, get you up to speed quickly with what to know and 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 how people are using it, and 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 make sure that you're pointed in the right direction. Yeah, no, that's great. And for our listeners that want to learn more, you can visit cyberit forward slash solved for more information, get a demo, work with the Cyberi team to get some customized training uh, for your teams and all the wonderful things we talked about. Mike, thank you so much for appearing on Enterprise Security Weekly today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. With that, we'll take a short break. Come up. Stay tuned. Kevin O'Brien from Great Horn coming up next. <laughs> 